Hi, everyone. Uh, thanks for uh, viewing today and being a part of worship here at Cool Spring. Obviously, things look a, a little bit different than, than they normally do. Uh, the fact that you're viewing uh, the worship, uh, it's uh, a little bit different. And uh, in this new day and time, this economy that we find ourselves in with social distancing, there's some things that we want to do to really help give hope, and there's some things that we really want to do to help people connect. And one of the ways that we're doing that is by moving our worship experience online. And so you can tune in each week and and be a part and view and participate and engage in the music and the spoken word and uh, be a part of what we're doing here as a family here at Cool Springs. So I hope you'll make that a priority in being a part and connecting. A couple of other things that we're doing as well is we've just this week launched a new blog feature on our website at coolspring.org. And this blog is being produced daily during the week by uh, staff here at Cool Springs, some different thoughts and insights to give hope and encouragement uh, during these days as well. We have an exciting thing happening coming Wednesday night uh, on Facebook Live on Cool Springs uh, page. You can be a part of literally what we call virtual supper. And so we're doing a Wednesday night supper virtually together. If you've been a part of Cool Spring on Wednesday nights here on our campus, you know that we offer supper and we sit around the table and talk and share. And so we're going to do this virtually. And so we'll have some opportunities for people to connect online and share dinner together. So fix dinner, sit down at six o'clock, go to Facebook. Facebook Live and and just kind of check it out and be a part of the conversation as well. A couple of other things uh, that you can do as well is we're launching a new podcast the end of next week to kind of help give some practical suggestions about how to thrive during these days and during these moments. So I hope you'll check that out as well, uh, the Cool Spring podcast. And last but certainly not least is that we have we have this week moved to take all of our life groups and all of our Sunday morning groups and we've moved them online. And through Zoom and, and proprietary licensing, uh, we now have all of our groups online. And so uh, I encourage you, if you're part of a life group, Sunday morning group, that you be sure and connect with your teacher or leader so that you can sign in and be a part of that conversation as our groups continue to meet virtually and stay connected. Our goal during this period of time is that we stay connected as a church, and not so much that we look inwardly and connect to one another, but that through this connection and through this giving hope that we're able to turn outward and look at ways in which as a community of faith that we can reach out to those that are most vulnerable, those that are perhaps in the greatest need in our community. Uh, We don't know some of the things that are going to turn out in the days ahead, but one thing I do know is that for Christ followers, we trust Christ in this and we walk with him in this and that he never leaves us, that he never forsakes us. And so as people of faith, we walk by faith. And so I want to encourage you to do that over these next weeks, but especially make it, make it a priority uh, to stay connected with friends and family at, at Cool Spring. Um, I want to share with you, uh, really, today is rather personal to me. Uh, And what I mean by that is um, God's just been teaching me some things over these past couple of weeks. And there's a particular word that I want to share with you and this particular word that I think, if anything, this particular word seems to epitomize where it is we live. And the word is disruption. Disruption. And that is where I think I find myself, I I think that's probably a pretty good categorization of where you find yourself, that you're living in kind of this this period of disruption. Uh, 
that what was happening four weeks ago isn't happening now. Your life has been disrupted. Work looks different. Family looks different. Church looks different. The gym looks different. Play looks different. Socialization looks different. Everything looks and feels differently, yet you can walk outside and the sun is still shining and it's warm today and life looks normal, but nobody's around. Life has been disrupted. The definition for disruption is a disturbance or a problem that interrupts events, activities, and processes. So what do you do with disruption? Do you let disruption overtake you? Do you let disruption kind of shut you down, push you back in the chair so that you don't function, you don't move? See, I think in disruption, rather than adapt to the disruption, I think as Christ followers, we need to learn how to thrive in the disruption. And that's kind of some of the stuff that God's been sharing with me. He's been speaking to me. It's the stuff that, that he keeps reminding me of in his word. It's how do you thrive in the disruption? How do you take new ground in the disruption? How do you live out well in this stuff called the disruption? Because here's the truth. I refuse. I refuse to allow disruption and circumstances to dictate my spiritual, emotional, physical, and mental health. I will not do it. And that means that faith, faith has to be practical. Faith has to be intentional. And faith has to be sabbatical. Now, I want to share with you each of those from from three different passages of Scripture because these are the Scriptures that God just keeps bombarding me with. It's like he keeps hitting me over the head with these things. That It's just a reminder of these moments and these times. If you heard the message from last week, you'll know the introduction to that message I shared with you from 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 7, which simply said that God did not give you a spirit of fear, but he gave you a spirit of love and of power and of self-control. What I love about that passage is it dictates for us where the origination of fear comes from and what it is that God does to combat fear for us. We understand that God is not a God of fear. If you are fearful, that fear is not from God. God is not a God of fear. But God is a God of power and of love and of self-control. And what I love about that phrase self-control, and I shared this last week, that the word for self-control literally means this thoughtful assessment, this thoughtful consideration. It's about this practicality. It means that we are thinking practically, not from fear. There's a saying that I've used over and over for years and years in my own life, and that is people in crisis don't make good decisions. Do you know why people in crisis don't make good decisions? People in crisis don't make good decisions because they're making them out of fear. They're not making them out of practical, thoughtful consideration. But God's word says, God did not give you a spirit of fear, 
You are not to make your decisions based upon fear. You are to make your decisions based upon thoughtful consideration, practical ideas. And so when I think about what God just keeps hammering home to me over and over and over again in this season, it is, Brad, live practically. Live practically with this thoughtful consideration Live practically. Do not live by fear. Do not live with fear. Live with thoughtful consideration. Make decisions that are practical based upon the wisdom that I give you and the leading that I give you. And I think that is so important for us in this day and time that in the disruption, we learn to live practically. Now, I know that's easier said than done. But I can tell you with full confidence right now, I am not fearful about anything to do with the coronavirus or the implications to our economy, to the issues in our community. I do not fear at all. And I can say that with full confidence and full transparency that the decisions that I make are not decisions based on fear. This is thoughtful consideration and this practical consideration. But see, you can be gliding along day in and day out and and not be fearful and, and be making practical decisions and then something hits you. And all of a sudden, unsettledness and anxiety speaks in. Give you an illustration of that. Other day, I'm, I'm going to the store and going shopping to Kroger just right over at the marketplace and I walk into Kroger and I start going down some of the aisles and I started getting a little anxious because when I went to Kroger, I went with a plan in mind. I knew what I was going to buy. I had plans to buy certain foods in order to prepare at home for my family. And and as I'm walking in there, I went to beans. Ain't no beans. I actually saw someone with a a carrying a a pallet of, of toilet paper pulling it down the aisle in the back by, the, by, the, by the, where the cheeses and meats are back there. And you should have seen, there were three or four people with carts following the toilet paper. You know, I have to admit, I, I, I bought a pack. Now, I realized I didn't need it, but I bought a pack anyway. And it was like gold, right? But here's the thing. Even though you live out of confidence and even though you live in practical, thoughtful consideration, fear can sneak in, but you need to recognize fear before it takes over. And so when I think about living in the disruption, it's about how we live practically, how we do this practically. The other piece that I think of in this is not just living practically, but this other lesson that God just seems to teaching is is about living with intentionality. Not just practically, but intentionally. And and the passage he keeps bringing back to mind is Ephesians 5 and verses 5 or verse 15 and 16. That says, look carefully then how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise, making the best use of the time because the days are evil. It's like God keeps reminding me there's an intentionality about how you're to live. I want you to look carefully at at how you walk. I want you to deliberately walk. I want you to pay attention. I want you to recognize the way you're walking, the way you're behaving, because you need to behave as someone that is wise, not as unwise. 
that wise man, and if you've been with us some, you know that, that as, as I've been reading through Proverbs every day, it's this, this, this whole thing about the prudent man and the wise man. And God keeps speaking about the prudent man and the wise man. And, and that's what you see here. Because when he's talking about the wise and the unwise, he's saying, listen, you, you need to walk, you need to live, not as the unwise man, but as the prudent man. And it is the prudent man that lives accurately and, and deliberately and distinctively. But what that tells me, when I think about the difference between the wise and the unwise man, that tells me in every decision that we have to make, there is a best decision to make. And I think about living in the disruption. There are decisions that you're being faced with. There are decisions your family's being faced with. Make decisions like the wise man. Make decisions like the prudent man. Live with intentionality. The idea of intentionality is living beyond the moment. People in crisis can only make decisions based upon their temporary circumstances. They can't see the future. But you need to make decisions as you look to the future. It's, it's just over and over again. It's, it's like God says, Brad, I want you to live practically. I want you to live out of the power and the love and the self-control that I give you. And I want you to live intentionally. I want you to be aware of how it is that you're living, the decisions that you're making, because I, I want you to make those wise decisions. The question I ask myself every day is, how am I walking? How am I walking? Am I walking in such a way that allows me to live out the best things that God has called me to? So in the disruption, it's about living practically. It's about living intentionally. But this third area that, that really this is, has this is kind of become this, this call to intimacy, this, this call to this deep. Give you, give you a thought, an illustration. Um, I grew up, as some people know, in Florida and grew up on the east coast of Florida and the intercoastal waterway and, and always had a great time uh, out on the water. And what you'll notice as you travel through the intercoastal waterway is a marking system of, of where the channel is that you can take your boat. And, and whether you have those reddish, orange, or green markers, it, it marks which direction, which side that you're supposed to come into the channel and all that kind of stuff. And so if, if you stay within the markers, you'll, you'll stay where you're supposed to be. You'll go where you're supposed to go. And, and, and literally what God has been reminding me over this period of the last couple of weeks is as he's just, as he's given 2 Timothy, as he's, as he's giving Ephesians 5, as, he, as he's given Psalm 46, this whole thing, it's almost like I feel as though God is like giving markers along the path. T to make the journey, to take the journey, it's almost as if he's, he's saying, Brad, this is about practicality. This is about being practical. Brad, this is, this is about intentionality. This is about being intentional. Do not fear. But the thing that I think he wants to get us get across, at least to me and, and I think to you too as well, is not only that he wants us to live practically, intentionally, but he wants us to live sabbatically. And, and that's this whole thing about living in a deep relationship with him. Psalm 46.10 says, Be still and know that I am God. That may be, next to John 3.16, the most memorized verse in Scripture, maybe outside of the fact that Jesus wept, Right? Be still and know that I am God. But you know what happens? We, we recognize that part of the passage. 
And you know what's funny? Oftentimes we forget the other part of the passage because the first part of verse 10 says, be still and know that I am God. That's not it. There's a period, but there's another sentence. And it says, I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. The idea is be still and quiet and know that he is God because he is exalted on the heavens and the earth. That the Lord of hosts is with us and the God of Jacob is our fortress. How cool is that? That this is the God that you serve. And this God that you serve wants intimacy with you. He wants to be in relationship with you. He wants you to listen to him. He wants to hear you. This whole idea of being still and know. What I love about the Hebrew language is the form of the verbs. And one of the forms, this be still, literally means be caused to be still. That is, God will cause you to be still. I want you to know something. God has caused a lot of people over the past couple of weeks to be still. You didn't ask for the stillness. You didn't ask for the interruption or the disruption in life. But God has caused you to become still. Maybe for us in the stillness is to know that he is God. Maybe our lives were so busy that we forgot to be still. Maybe our lives were were so involved with so many other things that we forgot to stop, to be still and to know that he is God, to cause, (laughs) the word for still means to grow slack. How do you grow slack? I have no idea. But it means to lengthen the slack in your life, this relaxed, to sink back and to notice, to get to know God. Do you realize that with more time on your hands and a different kind of schedule and a different kind of pace, you have an opportunity to add slack and to lean back and to get to know him? I want you to take advantage of that. I want you to take advantage of that moment because there's something about the intimacy, there's something about this sabbatical living, there's this idea of being connected. I don't know if you ever saw the the movie Hotel Rwanda. I saw it a number of years ago back and uh, it's a horrible story, a recalling of of the horrors of the 1994 genocide that that killed 800,000 people in just 100 days. But the story is about a hotel manager that literally harbors people that are being targeted by the militia. And they're about to run out of food and they're about to run out of resources. And in, in the book, Reconciling All Things, they use this illustration to talk about time with God. Because what happens? In the movie, the hotel manager, in the midst of the chaos, in the midst of the disruption, in the midst of the military action, what Paul does is he he literally makes a date with his wife there at the hotel. He he gets a candle and gets a bottle of wine, and he meets with her, just just Paul and his wife, for, for a period of a few hours, just to spend time with her. And there was beauty. There was this sense of of intimacy. And what I love is, in Reconciling All Others, this is the quote that they use to write about the moment, to speak about the moment, and it is so much our moment too. They say this, we submit that Sabbath in a broken world is something like this. 
Knowing in the midst of action when it is time to be still on a rooftop, even as the whole world is falling apart, spending time with the God we love, when the one we love whispers to us, all will be well. Do you know it's more than wishful thinking? It is this fundamental truth from our Creator. It is out of the intimacy, it is out of those moments, it is in that time that you spend with him that you will hear him speak, fear not. All will be well. A.W. Tozer one time said, sometimes when we get overwhelmed, we forget how big God is. Listen, as a Christ follower, you need to remember how big God is. You need to remember the work of Christ on your behalf. You need to remember that that you are a child of God, that you've been bought by Christ, that your sin debt has been paid for, that you are forgiven, that you are in relationship with the Father. And you need this intimacy. You need this time. You need this engagement. So be still and know that he is a God, that he is God, that he is exalted above the earth, that he is exalted, period. God's been really messing with me. In these last few days, but one of the beauties out of being messed with in a sense is is I have no fear. I'm not worried because I have his peace. But I think there's a journey. And that journey begins by living practically. Not living with fear, but with self-control, that thoughtful consideration, that practical application. It's about living intentionally. It's about thinking about the way in which we live, but living forward, living into the future, and being intentional about our behaviors and our actions. But it also means about living sabbatically. It means that we live connected with God. We live in intimacy with him. That even amidst the chaos, you can gather those moments to hear from him and to hear from him say, fear not. All will be well. You can trust him. I want you to have hope today amidst the craziness that is going on and and the stuff that's happening around you. I want you to have hope. Live practically. Live intentionally. Live sabbatically. That you would hear from him and live well. Would you pray with me? Father, I recognize that these are unprecedented days and days that caught us off guard. Um, We were planning and and looking to do different things and practice different things and host different events and, and celebrate in different ways. But Father, all of that has come to a screeching halt. And Lord, in these moments and in this season, we want to be still and to know that you're God, that you are exalted in the heavens and on the earth, We want to know you. We want to deepen in our relationship with you. But Father, not so much for our sake and for our gain, but that we would be people on mission, that we'd be people engaged, that people that would would care for, love on, and encourage those most vulnerable in our community today. Father, we want to live the power of the gospel well in these days and these moments for your glory. So Father, do only what you can do 
miraculously move, change hearts, change lives. May this be, may this be the start of the outbreak of revival in our church, in our community, in our nation. Jesus, we love you. For it's in your name we pray. Amen.